This is Tony Thomason. Today is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2016. Today I'm interviewing for the first time architect Chuck Croft. This interview is taking place at Mr. Croft's home at 9401 Springdale Road in Austin, Texas. This interview is being done for the Austin History Center and is one of a series of interviews with and about Austin Travis County architects. Hello, Chuck. All right. Uh, why don't we start by having you tell me your full name and when and where you were born. My name is Charles Benjamin Croft. Uh, I was born on November the 10th, 1927 in Enid, Oklahoma. Okay. And, and uh, uh, did you grow up in Oklahoma? Excuse me. Did you grow up in Oklahoma? I, partially. I will say this, that even though I was born in Enid, my parents lived in Garber, Oklahoma, where my father worked for an oil company. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sinclair Oil. And, uh, so uh, we stayed there for for some time, and then he got transferred to another oil field town, mm -hmm. which was Seminole, Oklahoma. We stayed there for some time, and I think it was probably in 1935, we moved to uh, Texas. We moved to uh, a place. It was we moved to a what they call a employees camp, which was a string of houses that housed the different uh, different workers and executives for that mm -hmm. particular gasoline plant, which took crude oil and converted it to the gasoline. And uh, so my father was, was the office manager and uh, for the the plant, whereas he dealt with any contractors having to do with the building of the plant, whether it's an addition mm -hmm. and so forth, and uh, to interview employees and so forth, and. Uh, and then he had direct contract with the home office in Tulsa, Oklahoma. By that meaning either by telephone or, or wire or whichever. Mm -hmm. So. And how long did you live in that camp? Uh, I, I was in that camp until, except for leaving partially for summer jobs to go places. But uh, I left there in 19, 
45. And I went to, uh, I decided to go not like everybody else from up there did. Most of them went to Texas A&M. Oh, okay. And I says, no way <laughs> that I'm going to be in the kitty core. And so what we did was, uh, what I did was go to the University of Texas and uh, I signed up there for engineering school. Mm -hmm. Growing up in, yeah. in the oil field, I didn't know much about uh, engineering no. except I knew that they used uh, chemical engineers and they used uh, other engineers. So I, I went to University of Texas and uh, signed up for engineering school. And, uh, and that worked until I got the draft age. Yes, the war time. was on, wasn't it? And so what happened is uh, I, along with all the other 18-year-olds at that time, were put on a bus and taken to San Antonio and given physical examinations and so forth. And uh, so I was, uh, I was notified after I, I did not go to summer school. Mm -hmm. So I stayed there until it was time for summer school and went back to the uh, back home mm -hmm. and I was doing summer jobs in the oil field which there were plenty of them for, for teenage and mm -hmm. so forth and uh, so I, in between my mother read an article in the paper and it said if, if you join the Marines this week we guarantee you that you get the GI Bill of Rights, which is education, mm -hmm. that thing, for everything else. And so she showed me the article. And I said, okay, that solves it. So I went over and I joined the Marine Corps. And, uh, So after that is uh, is a pretty long story. Yeah, we don't need the war story. No. When did you get back to UT? Oh my goodness, I uh, got back. I was in the Marine Corps then from '45 to 1948, wow. and uh, so. And I had been on special duty to that point. I, 
I'm trying to. I don't know whether to tell you about experiences in in the in the Marine Corps, except I was on a secret mission, top secret mission, for atom bomb testing in the Marshall Islands, and that lasted for some time. Mm -hmm. And then we they brought us back. And finally, finally discharged. I mean, I've been in, before that, I've been uh, working for the Navy in the, the 14th District. Uh, But you got back to UT then after well, you were discharged? Well, I did not quite then because I when I got back I was, I was stationed with the awesome office of <laughs> of Naval Intelligence 14th Naval District. We were stationed in Honolulu for a while, and uh, then from there they brought me back. And long story short, they just discharged me, and at that time I went back mm -hmm. to. Uh, East Texas, and then I what do I do? Then I enrolled and yeah. back into uh, well, really. Did you go back to engineering school or? How did you get to architecture? No, I didn't. What happened is, when I was in stationed with the Navy Intelligence Office, there was a, a Navy lieutenant there who, uh, since I was on duty, security duty for the Naval Intelligence Offices, along with two other Marines. And I noticed sometimes in the evenings, we had, of course, 24 hours. We had to stay there, and, and uh, we were watching over all the, the files and the mm -hmm. building and so forth. This Navy lieutenant would come up late at night with a row of drawings and other blueprints. And finally, he came in and he says, he says, did you ever have any drawing? You know, I knew you went to, to uh, college and so forth. I said, sure, I have drawing in high school and, and uh, 
had engineering drawing at, at UT and uh, he said come on back to my office and I'll show you something and he rolled out the blueprints and, uh, and he showed me the details and what happened and so forth and went through the process and he says you know, if, if you, you know, if you'd be interested, I think you would be a good, a good bet for uh, studying architecture when you go back to school. Are you going to go back into engineering school? I said, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, I'm going back to college at UT. I know. And uh, he said, Well. I understand, since I'm from Georgia, that the University of Texas has got a real good architecture school. And uh, so, he says, if I were you, I'd think about it seriously. And from what I know from the questions you ask and your, in, and your real response to the drawings, but I think you ought to enroll in architecture. So I did. Wow. So that was... That's how you decided. That's how I got into mm -hmm. my profession. So when, when did you graduate? From I graduated in 19, the summer of uh, 1953. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, after my class had been to Mexico for the summer to take a summer course in design and planning at what we call Monterey Tech, oh. which was really We studied Design and Planet Institutio Tecnologico de Estudios Superiores Monterey, Mexico, and that was in 1953, the summer, 52, mm -hmm. the summer. And that credit was credited to our, our coursework and yeah. my classwork and mm -hmm. so forth. And then uh, I graduated at the University of Texas in the summer of 1953. Were there any instructors or professors at UT <coughs> that that you just yes. especially helped you? Yes, very in? much. I uh, one the main one that I recall was name was was Resner. His name was Ron Resner. Mm -hmm. Ron Resner. Rollin Resner? Uh-huh. Rollin Resner. He was and still uh, there when I got there. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. yes. And uh, he had been he had been in the, the Seabees during the war and he'd been on some of the islands that I'd been on when I was in the Marine Corps. We kind of had a little thing going with that 
and uh, we yeah. got something a little bit in common. But he was great because he he was a, a instructor that really encouraged the design part of of the uh, profession. Now I've had other I had other professors there. One who was called I forgot his first name, Mr. Buckler. He was a, an older architect, and he. He taught architectural history also. Mm -hmm. And then there was another one called Martin Kermesey. Mm -hmm. He was also, uh, he would challenge the students, which is what he did by challenging. When you do a design project, he would ask you questions like, why did you do it? Why didn't you do this? So he would, by that he was putting pressure on you so that you would think about what you were designing and why, and uh, then how you were going to get it done. Mm -hmm. So it was, it kind of made sense and it, it had to do, we found out later, with the profession itself. And uh, he's the one that, that, that said mainly, you need to program it. And we mm -hmm. said, program <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he said, everything. And he says, you will learn that, I'm sure. And uh, so why don't you get out of here and get a job, and surely you will certainly learn something there. Mm -hmm. So I went out, and I got a job. So you didn't work in school? You only worked after I didn't, school? I didn't do any work in school. Okay. But... Uh, Your first job? My first job was with an architect named John Lynn Scott. Oh, yes. Okay. And uh, that was as soon as I got out of school. I mean, it was... Mm -hmm. I was still fresh, <laughs> and uh, so he he was not uh, bad to work with because he didn't mind giving you responsibility and then checking you on it and giving you advice on what you did and didn't. It's very much like they had said you would in school mm -hmm. that you do and uh, the main thing I got from him was he was doing some work for the government and uh, they were building a, uh, they were designing a uh, border station for Brownsville, 
uh, in Matamoros, mm -hmm. that area. And so he said, okay, that's a government job. You're going to have to do some paperwork and so forth. And uh, so you're going to have to do uh, the communication and, and uh, all this. And so we started doing the, the border station. And uh, another job came up with AGC, and it was, he was doing work for uh, what was then Bergson Air Base. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were doing a crash station for the, uh, which is pretty much kind of like a fire station, but uh, for the airplanes, uh, and uh, several of them had crashed and so forth, and they, so consequently, I did, and I communicated with with the GSA, General Services, uh, out of the federal government, and that got me to the point where I didn't want to do much more for. The GSA. And, and the border station that I designed was pretty much, I will say, too wild for the government. And it had, it had, I had used some concrete in it and uh, so forth. And they had been used to apparently the steel framing of it's kind of like an office building at that mm -hmm. time. So uh, we lost that job, and we didn't care. <laughs> Your boss didn't care either, huh? He didn't care. He says, he says we got another one out. Out on the base, we'll just take care of that one. And uh, so, consequently. So, it looks like you worked for John Lynn Scott about two years? Yes. Uh -huh. And I had already interviewed at that time with. Farron Granger oh. Architects in Austin, and uh, so I went back and interviewed with them again, and Charlie Granger came in and he said, I didn't want to talk to you before. <laughs> you remember? And I says, uh, he said, uh, I said, yeah. And he said, he said, you're the one that went to that 
He went to that Mexican school and <laughs> I said, yes, sir, but I, I really don't do uh, Mexican design. He said, well, that's good because we don't do it either. So you just, why don't you uh, go in there and find a, a desk somewhere where the, the roof doesn't leak on it and uh, I will say yes sir. That was his at way of time, telling you that, you had the job? If that was his, their, their, their office then was upstairs over a mechanicals contractor's business who manufactured duct work. And all day long, we heard the clack, clack, clack of them pressing ducks mm -hmm. for buildings somewhere all over. And it was absolutely pretty much nerve-wracking. Do you know where that building was? Sure, Remember? it was on 5th Street. Oh. It's on 5th Street, which is right across from my Mexican food restaurant. So it was there, which was called the famous one. Anyhow, it was a Mexican food restaurant. Was it and east, they finally east of I-35 or west? Or hmm? was it east of I-35? It was, no. No? It was uh, on, uh, it was west of I-35. Hmm. Well, it was oh, on, okay. It was on East Fifth Street. Okay. And uh, what happened is the what happened to that duck building was the Mexican food restaurant who had been across the street blocked that building mm -hmm. and turn it into a Mexican food restaurant. So, meanwhile, we had uh, gotten through with listening to all the duck work and so forth. So Fanning Granger bought some property on 15th Street uh, on, uh, it was east of uh, east of the capital, okay. and they bought property there, and we had already designed, saying we. Uh, we had designed it and taken temporary space in, an, in the office of Clark Craig mm -hmm. Engineers. 
and we shared quarters with him until our building was built. And we moved in that building in 19, uh, oh my, I guess 1958, I suppose. And we got to, in, in the meantime, we got a little on the job training insofar as construction is concerned on Farron Granger's building. We were, mm -hmm. it's, uh, you go up there and, and watch and see what they do and see what you ought to, who you ought to do and so yeah. forth. It was very good, <coughs> excuse me, on the job training. And uh, okay, so I stayed. I stayed with Farron Granger until nineteen fifty-nine. But before that had happened, uh, what were some of the projects you worked on? I worked on the main project that I worked on. Actually. Uh, was the Austin Airport. It was called the Robert Mueller Municipal mm -hmm. Airport at that time. And uh, there were three members of the, the uh, design team. No matter what everybody else has told you, they designed it, they didn't. <laughs> because they didn't. Because there was a three-man team: Charlie Granger, Herb Kroom, who was an associate with them, and Chuck Croft. And Charlie Granger's position was dealing with the city of Austin and with the airport. Uh, board and Herb Kroom and I designed the airport. Nobody else did. So it sounds like you've heard other people say they designed I, I, I know. I've, I've seen, I've seen uh, two funerals where both guys have claimed they did the airport. Too bad I couldn't do anything, but they didn't do it. Mm -hmm. The only people that had anything to do with it, we did build a model of the airport, and one guy did work on the model, and he's one of them that says he designed the airport, which he couldn't have designed it if we hadn't. Have, I mean, he couldn't have built the model if he hadn't had the design. <laughs> Nevertheless, I'm real sensitive about that mm -hmm. because that uh, it won a national award for the best commercial building 
an AI firm, Progressive Architecture, and uh, and that was that was a good good point because they were they were published in several magazines and uh, several professional magazines and uh, so that brings to mind I guess you might say that I think I was Charlie Granger's boy what I'm saying is when he went up to Cranbrook University or Cranbrook College. Have you ever heard of it? Yes. Uh -huh. It's it's a, it's like they draft people to come in there. They you don't go up there and, and say I'm gonna I'm gonna go to school here. They say no. You don't go until we come after you. And so consequently, what happened is uh, Charlie Granger was a, was one was one of those, and uh, who were there. Oh. Also, uh, Errol Saarinen was there in Charlie's class. Was uh, Charlie going Charles to Charles Ames. Oh, or, was Charlie going to a graduate school there? Or? No, it's, 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 it's a, what they do is they, they get into the other things like they design furniture also. Harold Saarinen mm -hmm. and uh, Charles Eames, you heard of him, mm -hmm. went to California and also designed some furniture right. out there. Right. What they did, they studied furniture design as well as building design at Cranbrook and uh, it's a special place. Uh, you can't you can't go say I want to go to school here and mm -hmm. say no. If we want you, we will let you know which not many people ever knew. But the other guys like like uh, George Weiss and uh, some of the well-known at the time, well-known uh, Architects in the United States were mm -hmm. went to school there. But I was going to tell you the story about when Charlie Granger was there. He called me on the phone, and uh, he says, 
well, how you doing? You working, aren't you? I said, yes, sir. You know, working uh, pretty hard. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, doing what you told me to. And uh, he said, well, uh, he said, I got a fellow here that wants to know on that airport that had been published and uh, that, that Charlie Granger had taken the plans up to Cranbrook with him and showed them to Errol Sheridan. He said, I got a fellow on here on the phone that wants to talk to you and he wants to talk to you about the roof of that building. And I said, okay. And he gets on the phone. This is Errol Sermon. And I says, yes, sir. How can I help you? He says, well, it's probably too late. And I said, all right, sir, tell me what I should have done. He said, well, I've just wondered what you do with that water on that roof, you know, to keep it from overflowing and splashing on the glass and putting the mud all over the windows and stuff. He said, I, I often wonder, I just talking to Charlie, he said, talk to Chuck. <laughs> and I said, okay. So, uh, he said, well, tell me about it. And I said, well, sir, you know, every time it's, it loops down, of course, it collects water. And he said, yeah, what, what keeps it from going over on the airport? Yeah, I mean, on the, the uh, where the planes are. He said, you're going to get splashed on the planes and stuff? And that's when they had the planes. Uh, they didn't they do like they did now. You had to get off and walk to them. That's right. And, uh, no loading bridges. Nope. And he says, and the people will get soaking wet. And I said, no, sir. They're sloped slightly, number one, they're sloped slightly toward the outside. He said, then it's going to splash on the window, the windows, and be mud all over the place. I said, no, sir. He said, well, tell me what. I said, well, each one of them does have a slope away from where the planes are. You can't, you can't see it, you can't tell it. And also, each one of them has a, has a roof drain in the middle of it, or not, not in the middle, toward the edge. And what you can't tell is that the edge slopes up a little toward mm -hmm. that and I said uh, so it goes in, a, in the roof drains mm -hmm. he said yeah and what's it do then I said well sir what it does is you know how deep those those uh, deepest parts of the roof are. Well, what you don't see is the roof drains slope toward them 
and then slope in that that big part of the roof and they go all the way all the way to the mechanical runner which is way down you know it was way down to the east side of the zone and he's and it, it go they go down there and he says what do you do you drain the water and you flood the mechanical runner i said no sir we thought of that ahead of time we drilled we drilled a, two holes in there in the concrete in the mechanical room. One of them we drain the roof drainage into and the other one It, 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 it runs into a spring and pushes up the water into the mechanical room which has a has a pump which pumps it into when you turn it on it pumps it into the water cold air condition water cool air conditioning system for the uh, eastern part of the building mm -hmm. because they didn't air condition the uh, they didn't air condition the whole airport mm -hmm. at that time mm -hmm. uh, they didn't have they didn't have the, the same systems that they had all they had was water cool systems and they used to have these big coolers on the roof mm -hmm. well we had a water cool but it wasn't on the roof it was in there and how we did it was pump it here and push it up here, mm -hmm. pump it here, push it up here. so consequently that was uh, that was that story and uh, I'm sorry for taking up your time no Mr. Saarinen was impressed, I take it, after he heard your explanation. He didn't have any more questions. <laughs> uh, no, he, he says, well, he says, uh, good luck to you. He says, uh, I hope it doesn't flood. And I said, no, sir, if it floods, we're all going to be in trouble in here. Well, I have a question for you. When you did the initial design, I assume that tower that's out there still was part of the design? Was it what? The tower, the control tower, mm -hmm. was a part of your design? Uh, yes, but what happened there, as people don't know, some people think that the tower was built first, which it wasn't. And uh, so it was built later, and uh, the, uh, 
porcelain panels that were on it mm -hmm. were put on. And, uh, and so that was it. We had we had a roof drain off the top of the tower, which went down to the, the outside. And, uh, so you worked on the tower design too then? Yes. Yeah. And what do you think about, you know, it's still there in the middle of the redevelopment project and they're trying to figure out how to reuse it. Have you been following that? I've been following it some. I, I really don't like the idea of, of them uh, taking over the airport, really, to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. um, but what's happened so far is, well, I've been trying to follow it some, and I finally decided to forget about it a little bit. Let I'm it go. I do know, <laughs> I do know that, uh, that there's shopping centers out there and all this thing, all these things. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but they left the tower. Yes, they left the tower. And Gerard, Dino Gerardkin. And I don't know. Gerard Kinney is leading the effort to find a new use for the tower. So. A new what? A new way to use the tower. Oh. They're going to keep it. I'll tell you what I've got when you leave. I've got a sign that came out of the tower. Before I took it over, people could get in into the tower and go up to the uh, walk up the stairs and go mm -hmm. as high as they could. And I've got a grandson that went up in there and he got some stuff out of there that he thought he knew that I'd have something to do with it. So he thought I might like some of the stuff. So he got some signs off of the building. But one of them is by the front door. I'll show it to you on the way back. Okay, we'll do that. And. Uh, so consequently, that pretty much ought to take care of that particular. Fair and Granger. Oh, Fair and Granger, what happened there? After. Hold on just a minute. I thought I had that. Dadgummit. I stayed at Fair and Granger and was designing God, I forgot what I was designing. Anyhow, uh, until 1959, 1958, they were acclaimed as being the best firm in the United States. Fair and Granger was, mm -hmm. and by the AI, mm -hmm. and uh, so there were two 
I'll try to make it short. And there were two guys, two fellows that worked for Fair and Ranger, and there was there was a an architect from the Rio Grande Valley. Named John York, mm -hmm. and uh, he wanted somebody that had the capabilities to to be an associate partner and run an office, and so these two. They sent a guy up because he, and, and he was looking for, I mean, what was he doing? He was looking for somebody with that mm -hmm. qualifications. As soon as he got there, these two guys who had gone to school with him at A&M said, man, there's your man right there. He's running this office right now, practically. And, uh, and so he says, well, I'll tell you what. We'll pay your your airfare down there, and we'll put you up in a hotel, and we'll uh, go meet Mr. York, and uh, we'll see what happens. So I did. Went down, met him, and immediately. He said, we're looking at your qualifications and what's that. He said, I've already talked to Charlie Granger. And he says, well, if you don't use him, send him back. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, you're hired. And he says, what you're going to do? And he told me, here's the projects we've got. And uh, what uh, what you need to do is is uh, use you handle them because I'm I'm going to Corpus Christi and I'm going to go in business with another architect up there and uh, he's going to run the job up up there but I want you to handle the work here so. Uh, bless her heart, they had a good, she had a good secretary that kept track of everything, boy. And so she helped me out with who did what, when, and so forth, as far as clients, mm -hmm. as far as contractors, and so forth. So she got me squared away pretty much as to who was calling on the phone, you know, want to know about the job here. So I jumped right into it, and uh, I was an associate partner for that firm. And that was my first partnership, I think. So it looks like you were only there about a year. So. Here it is. Here it is. Mm -hmm. So then you moved to Taniguchi? What happened there is uh, I had been there for some time 
and I've been going to AIA meeting, meetings. And Alan Taniguchi came up to me and he said, "Man, I hear you've been doing a real good job over John's office." And uh, he said, "You getting tired working over there?" He said, "You're doing. I understand you're doing all the work." And he got another guy over there that doesn't know what he's doing. And I said, well, you're right. <laughs> but, uh, and he told me, I told him his name, and I won't tell you his name. And he wasn't even a, he wasn't even a registered architect. And I said, well, he's not, shouldn't be doing that. He said, well, he's got a problem, hasn't he? York's got a problem. He said, I got a problem. I need somebody like you in my office. I said, how do you know you want me? He said, I've been talking around to contractors and so forth, and, and I talk to my wife because I'm working 24 hours a day, and she says, you better hire that boy. <laughs> And so, how do you, he says, would you like to come over and try it for a while? And I says, sure. He says, well, whatever, whatever he's paying you, I'll double it. Oh. I says, that'll drift me over there, right there, Alan, and I really appreciate it, but you don't, you know, uh, you're not paying me just to move. Uh, he said, no, I'm paying you so you can help me do some work because I feel like I've got stuff that you know how to do. And uh, so that's what we did. What kind of things did you work on with Alan? It looks like you were a partner with Alan, right? Oh, yes, yes. What happened? on the partnership deal. Alan got a chance after I'd been there a while and I'd done quite a few jobs for mm -hmm. uh, junior high school and a bunch of stuff. And also, um, this building. called the Casa del Sol. That's a model of it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a job, it's concrete. This is, a, yeah, I've got pictures of it somewhere, but, and I've got them in there, so I can show it to you. But it's uh, concrete, and people say, you can't do that with concrete. Well, they didn't understand uh, the capnary, which that is a capnary type roof, which is a, a kind of a work, it's kind of a arch upside down. And that's the mm -hmm. way structurally that works. Because instead of a buttress here, because a, an arch pushes toward the buttress, each one of those is dependent on the other one. 
so consequently it puts it puts pressure like this like mm -hmm. the arch turning it over and so that's the reason it's not but three and a half inches deep and it's it's not but two inches deep plus insulation it looks very light up here almost very light like a tent it's been through several hurricanes already so was it a tourist center is that what that says yes it's a, it was built for a tourist center because all the yankees used to come down to the to the valley and spend the winter right and then they turned it into community center because everybody wanted to rent it and so forth. city says, well, let's make money off of it. Let's rent it to people. So they did. And they had some renovations and they had a kitchen and everything behind it, which I've got a plan of it, but you don't necessarily need it. But, uh, and this I was think. while you were working with Alan, right? Pardon? That was when you were working with Alan Taniguchi? That was for a while, and I was going to tell you that, uh, that I was doing all the construction work. I mean, I was there doing the whole project. I mean, I, and how that happened was Alan had gotten a chance to be a a visiting critique to the architecture school. And so while he was up there, well, I, I supervised all the construction on it, and I got pictures of me sitting on top of this <laughs> when they were pouring concrete. But uh, so I went ahead and not only Well, I've got to change it a little bit. The design of it had not been done when, Aaron, when, when Alan came up here because he was here supposedly temporarily. Mm -hmm. And he decided he wanted to stay longer. So I went ahead and designed it like this instead of he wanted it to be arches and I says no I want it to be a catenary and I want it to be a, the theory there is each one is dependent on the other and so in order to make something really work I talked to my structural engineer and I said, why don't we post-tension the beams on that? The beams coming up like this, mm -hmm. and they come to a circle at the top. And then distributed that force in a circle all the way around. And, and it also did the same thing that these were done. Consequently, uh, I went ahead and designed it while Alan was gone. And uh, 
so he comes back. And I said, I've already built a model of it, and here it is, and uh, and it's like this, and uh, he said, well, it looks like you've got it done. I said, well, I hope so because I've already I've already uh, checked with the city. They think it's absolutely wonderful and impossible. And, uh, but I haven't been able to do anything except talk to the city manager, who was my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he said, well, they've offered me, I've done several other projects while it was gone. And hired, <coughs> hired a, another man that was good, mm -hmm. and he had worked with Alan when Alan had a temporary little office uh, in Austin. I don't know what he was doing. I forgot, but anyhow, uh, oh, he was hiring students just for. The cake, you know, tell them, show them what to do. So consequently, I designed the tourist center myself, and uh, in a way, it's kind of like the airport. Nobody else did it, and everybody thought that it really it was beautiful but impossible. And I remember. And of course, what we did, we introduced post-tensioning, the first building in, in, I guess, in Texas, maybe the world, that ever used post-tensioning mm -hmm. on a on a building. They've been using highway department using on bridges. Right. Nobody had ever used it on a building, particularly not a building <laughs> like this. So that was a firm in Corpus Christi who had the equipment to uh, do the post-tensioning. Mm -hmm. So I called them and they said yes, they would be willing to work as a as a partner with a con whoever got the contract and they would do the post-tensioning themselves and guarantee it. Mm -hmm. And I says, deal. So what I did is I got a, you know, I got an approval from the city. And this was the city of Harlingen, right? Hmm? This, just to be clear, this was the city of Harlingen? City of Harlingen. Okay. And, uh, and they said, okay, if, if it won't fall down, We'll do it, and it it all it still had the uh, forms up, you know, because mm -hmm. you know wood forms and, and state you know columns everywhere to hold it up, and uh, so consequently we went ahead and did it. He post-tensioned it, did all the stuff. Contractor had finished except for taking the forms out. 
so I told I had a friend who was the uh, worked for the TV station and he says and I says well you might if you on your newscast you might tell them we're taking all the forms out from the Casa del Sol uh, on Monday morning. So, Monday morning, you couldn't get anywhere near it because people were all around it to watch the world's first planned disaster. <laughs> and they says, and you know, we knew I'd already been up, put a, put a pencil between the forms and the concrete, and knew it had already done its mm -hmm. relaxation and it was ready. So there's people all the way around it, stick clear out here. And I couldn't, and I said, okay, now, to prove that this is gonna work, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get the city manager here and the contractor, and we're gonna go in there and we're gonna stand there because we've got this fellow with this tractor that's gonna hook a chain on it on the uh, forms and he's gonna put them out and uh, we're gonna stand there while he's pulling them out because if, if it falls and we, we, we're dead anyhow. And the contractor really didn't want to do it, but he did. I said, check in, check in. So consequently, that's what happened. And they pulled them out, and everybody was so upset because they didn't see the world's first planned disaster. <laughs> and uh, so they took off, and uh, that was it. You had a beautiful building. It, it really... It really, I've got all kind of pictures of it, but it's, uh, it's something. Nobody, as far as I know, and as I said, uh, about sketching. Was that probably your favorite building you designed? Oh, uh, that's, that's one of the favorite buildings I designed. Mm -hmm. and, and really, like I said, don't listen to anybody else because I designed it. Here it is. With so you have pictures here of the uh, form work. Let's see, am I sitting on top? I may have been. But they're pouring it. They're pouring it right there. Mm -hmm. There's one here. And they poured them in sequence for this one and this one. And then they poured it. They alternated. And then it, it was all set. Because when this one poured, it put the force here. And all the way here. Mm -hmm. So each one was dependent on the other. As I said. Well, let's see. Okay, Let so me do a time check here. We have we have only about twenty minutes left. So there are a couple of things I wanna cover with you. One is um, we said we would talk about sketches and how you use sketching in your work. Um, oh yeah, sketching. I've been doing that uh, for a long, long, long time. <coughs> and uh, 
have found that it's we can use them uh, and, and many times that's how we tell and show the owner what the building is really going to look like they, they some owners sometimes don't don't look at the uh, working drawings mm -hmm. and the uh, construction part of it and so we we like to uh, show sketches can i show you some well i'll look at them after it's a little hard on the recording to talk about sketches so uh, we'll i've, got, I've, I've done sketches on practically every building and if i if i can't show you then that's too bad no, I'll, I'll look at them after. I just can't. Okay. It won't. It will take up time in our recording yeah. that will. Here's another thing I had something to do with. And what is that? Is that the this bridge? This is the. Three sixty. Hmm. Is that the three sixty bridge? Yeah, it's called the. Uh, Pennybacker. Pennybacker. Mm-hmm. And what happened? The reason. I put this picture in here. The reason that that bridge has got this design is the highway department had a standard highway department bridge with pylons down in the lake. And uh, so I was happened to be president of the local chapter here AIA. and I got we had a I got a committee that had three or four other guys and uh, we go out to the highway department and says you can't do that that's dangerous somebody's gonna get killed boats drive up and down that, that mm -hmm. river at night time sometimes without lights because they've got a moonlight and they think they can you know mm -hmm. and too bad and uh, and they says, well, what, what do you think? I did a sketch and I, my grandson's got the sketch now or I just showed it to you. I wish I'd have made a print, but I showed it to him. And uh, I said, here's what you ought to do. And they says, well, we don't know how to do stuff like that. And I says, well, if you'll hire this engineer, He'll do it for you. And I said, okay, so they hired him. And who was that? I guess that was uh, Clark Craig, I believe. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, it was in Austin, so it was Clark Craig, I guess. Mm -hmm. And Dave Engelman, both of them, they, they worked together. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dave Engelman and I had, uh, he's a good friend and also he'd done a lot of, lot of stuff for us. And uh, so we go, he was my structural engineer. We go to him, we show him, they hire him.
bid with job. And it got in all their publications. It also got on the, the map of the city of Austin. It got on the cover of it. And so what they did, they submitted it to the Department of National Department of Engineering that they belong to. Mm -hmm. And it won an award for fantastic, you know, for engineering design. And so what they did, they took the credit for it. I mean, they beat the drum, look what we did, and did all that stuff. And, and bid it out like a, like a, mm -hmm. and built it. And, uh, <laughs> that was a good thing that you did, though, to help them see oh, another uh, way of doing things. Oh, sure, because yeah. it's an arch. We've got a mountain on this side and a mountain. <laughs> mountain on this side and a mountain on that side. Anyhow. And no piers in the lake. No piers, no nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's suspended mm -hmm. with cables. And uh, so they took Good. credit for it and it got on the Texas map and uh, the governor took credit for it. And uh, so we just says, okay, what I'll do when I put an application in, I mean, when they asked me to be a fellow and I had to pursue stuff, mm -hmm. this was part of it because this was something that I did for the community. Yeah. Not for me. I didn't that you influence. I didn't get it. I wasn't employed to do a thing. But anyhow, that was part of what being a fellow was, is that is help your community and so forth. Mm -hmm. You might have seen some of that stuff. Have you still got some of that stuff? No. Dave? Oh, Dave probably, I guess. You gave him all the stuff that, that he showed you, didn't you? He didn't show me anything. You're talking about Dave, your son? Uh-huh. Oh, he didn't? I don't think so. No. Okay. Did he, he may have, I don't know if he showed you. No, he and I just met briefly at a history center. Okay. Event, and then uh, everything else we talked about was on the phone. Well, surely so. he hasn't got enough. He told me. I hope he, he doesn't. <laughs> he told me he had things that he wanted to donate to the history center. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I. I connected him up with the right person for that. Okay. So, just to briefly go back to your career and finish yes. that story up, it looks like you went on then to. Oh, you had a, you had your own firm in Harlingen, and yes. then you came to Austin and went to Jessen. Yes, and that's where I designed. Another favorite building, which is Westlake High School. Ah, okay. 
That was a big project. Did huge you have project, and people? I was two guys. Another, I mentioned Herb Kroom a while ago. He and I went out to present ourselves to the, the uh, school board as, why don't you hire us? You know, and, and, and they had they interviewed mm -hmm. architects, and so when. We did the interview. Interview. Uh, Herb says, "You go ahead and do it." So I answered all the questions, and I said, "Herb, you take that one." He said, oh, "Okay." But you go ahead. And he says, "You know how to do with these people." And I said, "Don't you?" He said, "I don't want to mess with them." I said, "Okay." So I did, and. Uh, So, we got a phone call at the office about two days later, and somebody called, and uh, so Al Grieven picked up the phone and says, who are you? What? We got the job. He says, "What do you want? Who you want to talk to?" He says, "I want to talk to Chuck Crawford. He's the one that got you guys a job." He says, "What? When did he do that?" I said, "Out. Let me talk to him. Okay, I'll talk to him." And so I did. And I said, "You know, you kind of upset Mr. Grieven. Uh, he's the one that answered the phone." And he said, well, tell him I'm sorry, but you're the one I'm talking to. I want to talk to you because you're the one that sold the, bill, the, the board on mm -hmm. to, to uh, hire you people. So what I'll do is uh, I'll uh, bring the contract to you. And you sign the contract. And we'll go. So we did. So, guess who got to design Westlake? Big project. So, I did, and uh, it was a, a great building. They said we want to, we want one that's waterproof, naturally. We want one soundproof. Soundproof. We want one that's hurricane proof. <laughs> and we want one where kids are not slamming the lockers during other classes and stuff. And I said, well, we can do that. So as far as I know, it's the only school was on the only school then that had a locker court mm -hmm. uh, that had masonry interiors like in the, in the hall quarters and between classrooms and uh, 
isolating anything that made noise like the mechanical room, which we had then. They wanted an air-conditioned building. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what we got them. And that was built in the, is it late 60s or? Yeah, I've got it somewhere probably. I don't know when it was built. Okay, I've got something here. Retail, industrial, office, <laughs> commercial. Good grief, have I got schools? Yep, somewhere. Educational, uh, Westlake, 1970. Okay? Mm-hmm. That probably was one. I'm not sure. That may have been one that was finished. Yeah. Right probably. Here. Uh -huh. Here's all the here's all the education facilities right here. Yeah, okay. Okay. And I was a design and project architect on that. And uh, I went to all the all the board meetings, answered all their questions. And I had a community building, I mean a community gathering and uh, in, the, in the auditorium. And uh, they put me on the stage, <laughs> on the spot and started asking me questions and I was put, I'd answer the questions and uh, and I did that for at least two hours I guess. Wow. And then it was also I think a school that had a detached library detached from the school with a courtyard in between so that if the kids had to go to the library, they'd go across the court, which was covered, mm -hmm. and uh, there. It also was the only one that we knew of at that time. In fact, they had to hire a consultant. That's before computers took over, but computers took over, and that was the first school in Texas that I know of that had computerized library. Hmm. Interesting. And where each book was, you know, in its place and mm -hmm. in its category and so forth. So a student would only have to look at it. Mm -hmm. So I was proud of that building. I have a question for you back to the start of your career when you were starting to work in concrete. Was there some anything, any influence that got you to that point and in your interest in concrete and these new ways of designing things? Was it from traveling or was there a person or to do what? Concrete? The concrete. What is it that made that that triggered that for you? Do you know or remember? Well,
guess it started in the valley when I did a lot of concrete buildings. I did tilt wall schools. Mm -hmm. I did folded plate roofing. I got pictures of these too. But uh, I did uh, post-tensioning and uh, that's concrete people think that's fine. And I got awards from uh, what? <laughs> from all the concrete companies. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so it's just something you liked working in. Maybe. Yeah, I like yeah. working concrete and uh, I, uh, uh, oh, let me see. I did, I started with tilt wall and folded place and then I got into hyperbolic paraboloids. And uh, pictures of that thing. Anyhow, I got into hyperbolic paraboloids and then I, the combination of them and uh, so I won quite a few awards on uh, from, from mm -hmm. the concrete companies because of that and uh, I've got them in there somewhere but uh, the Portland Cement Association because they're concrete people. <laughs> and uh, anyhow. I wanted to ask you one last question. Okay. Was there ever a project that you started to work on or that it just didn't happen and it didn't get built that you really wish? Yeah. Yeah? I did a job for a multi-millionaire who lived in Lakeway, who uh, $150 million, that's what he was kind of millionaire he was. Mm -hmm. He wanted me to add on to a building that was already there. And he wanted it to be stormproof and rigid and not drift down the hall, I mean down the hill. It was, his house was built on a hill here. And uh, so I added the building and I put in concrete walls and, you know, retaining mm -hmm. walls and everything, even down the hill put concrete walls because he said it's washing all my, my flowers and, and he says the first thing you know I'll be on a cliff. So what happened is I did and he says now we're going to Switzerland and we're going to look around out there for some property so we can build, we can build us a building 
because we, we plan on going over there. We like to go over there every year or more. And uh, we love the place. And uh, it's across the, across the river, the lake, Lake Lugano, uh, from uh, a gambling place over there mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's in there. And so we like to go to that. And uh, so we're going to buy some property, and we'll let you know. Well, they come back, and boy, he is, he is hostile. He says, they told me when I told them I'd pay them cash plus for this piece of property. And they says, did anybody tell you that you couldn't own anything here? unless you were, I mean, you could only be a foreigner and own only 20% property. He said, you're crazy, you know. And they said, that's law. If you're going to build here, you're going to go with the law here. So he comes back, and boy, he is cooked. And he said, boy, tell you what. I've got a piece of property over there and I want to build on it. And they don't want me to. And I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to plan. I'm going to plan 100% plus 20. And I said, God, you think they'll go for that? He said, yeah, I think that money grubbers might. But I don't know for sure. So, what happened is... He came back and told me, and I'll show you the results. It wasn't it wasn't built in mm -hmm. a minute. Okay. And uh, the reason it wasn't built, as he said, I outsmarted him. He said, what I did. What do you do? Yeah. It was a it was a commercial building, it was a government building. Government owned over there. And it was a huge condo complex right at on government property, right on the lake there where you can see it. Mm -hmm. I mean from everywhere. And I said he comes back and he said, Well, I'll fox them. I bought something on the government, and the government approved it. And I said, what'd you buy? He said, I bought that whole complex, condo complex. It must have been, I don't know how many, 30 condos in this one complex. Mm -hmm. He bought them all. And I said, what are you going to do with all this stuff? He said, well, I might rent it out, but what I'm going to do with the first, I mean the top floors, is, he says, I'm, the first thing I'm going to do, this, the first floor is, uh, I'm going to build that roof a little bit safer than it is, because I'm going to put my son, I'm going to land my helicopter in there. I bought a helicopter over there, and I've got a warehouse down there, and I keep it in, he says, and then it's, 
they give me a hard time when I try to take off because they scare all the people and all that stuff. And he says, so I'm going to put a helicopter pad on the roof of this building. I said, can you get by with it? He said, sure. I said, how do you know? And he says, well, I'm just going to do it. It's government. And they go for money. Anyhow, blah, blah. Nevertheless, I did his house out here in Lakeway. And I did the renovation of that. And I had to do it in metric, of course. So, you know, mm -hmm. all the drawings. And I, I, I don't know what I've done with the drawings. I guess when I was throwing stuff away, I did. But I, I, That's one that didn't get built. So. That's one that got built. Oh, it got built. Well, that one did. And uh, they, they used to go out there every year mm -hmm. or more because then they had a place. And, mm -hmm. uh, and anyhow, okay. that, that happened. And, and it's. Now, you asked me a question about. Did I ever have a building I just didn't want to do or something? No, it's more, did you want to do one and then it didn't happen and oh, it was oh, a oh, disappointment God. to you? Yeah, yeah well, that's, that's you answered. That was I've the done one. several of them that didn't happen. Uh, I've done a couple houses that weren't built and I've done a um, a car dealership which was in the Rio Grande Valley which I designed using hyperbolic rhomboids inverted and so the, the owners decided they weren't going to build it because they talked to contractors and they couldn't build that stuff. I said, which contractors did you talk to? <laughs> and they said, they said, well, the old buddy of ours, and he doesn't build them like that. So I said, okay, then pay me my fee. We ain't going to pay anything. So I sued them and I won. And, uh, they didn't build it, of course, but uh, those things happen. got my money out of them. That's good. Paid law fees, anyhow. Well, we're going to wrap up. Um, thank you very much for telling me your stories today. Oh, sure. I appreciate it.